0: After months of the coronavirus pandemic, governors are taking the first steps to reopening their states. The White House tells federal agency heads to take state officials' cues to begin reopening federal facilities. Now, certain federal employees have worked in their offices throughout this pandemic. For what the General Services Administration has been doing to prepare your office to take in those that have been teleworking, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the Commissioner of the Public Building Service, Dan Matthews.
1: We have a national pandemic response plan, the government does, and we have our piece of that plan at GSA. And for the Public Building Service, our element is to ensure that mission essential facilities are open and available for our federal tenant agencies to perform their critical functions one, to respond to the emergency, also to perform their functions that are necessary and essential for the operation of the government and the services that they provide to the American public. So, big picture. That's the environment that we work under, and so we have about 5,400 people at the Public Building Service, a little over 370 million square feet of government-owned and leased properties from the private sector where we house federal agencies and their missions. And it's a pretty wide variety of facilities, from office spaces is the most obvious, but we have courthouses, border stations, operation centers, departmental headquarters, the White House complex a variety of facilities that we operate and maintain. And our tenant agencies, if they need to be open, and many of them are during this disaster, you know, they come to us. And so early on, one of the things that we had to do most frequently, of course, was enhanced cleaning. So as somebody would be in the facility and they either became ill themselves or maybe they had a confirmed contact with someone who developed the COVID virus, then they would have to stop occupying that portion of the facility or the entire facility. We'd bring in teams to clean those facilities based on the CDC guidance that we had for the types of materials, equipment, and cleaning protocols to properly disinfect the property and keep our employees safe.
0: And something we were saying just off mic a moment ago is just how dynamic the situation is day-to-day, things come up or things change. And just to give you an example of the IRS bringing more employees back recently, just with that in mind, what kind of special needs or emergencies have tenant agencies reached out to PBS about during the pandemic? And and how has PBS met those challenges?
1: Initially, like I said, we received lots of contacts and calls from our tenant agencies to come in and disinfect facilities that they believe somebody was infected with a COVID virus. So we needed to get in there, clean the surfaces per the CDC guidance so they could reoccupy and continue their mission. And for the first month of this, those numbers were really quite high. And fortunately, Congress in the CARES Act, which was the Emergency Supplemental Spending Bill, they provided us some additional funding to help cover those costs. So we're in a good place in terms of having the funding available to do those additional cleanings. But then after that initial phase where we sort of worked out the king system, operationally how to do that how to respond quickly to the agency requests for that enhanced cleaning we started to get specific requests for facilities to enable agencies to respond to the crisis and some of those include warehouses for fema logistics staging grounds in different parts of the country distribution centers so we would go out and quickly uh, acquire those facilities for them in one instance we had a request through fema but it was really for the army corps of engineers and the army medical command to acquire a facility to stand up an emergency hospital effectively over a weekend in Seattle, Washington. And so we were able to acquire a facility that actually was the CenturyLink Sports Stadium in Seattle again over a weekend so they could create that facility. We also have been asked to create redundant operation centers. So if you think about you're an agency that has an operation center that's fully up and running because you're responding to this coronavirus disaster, you want to make sure that you're having some social distancing in your operation center, and you also want to be able to stagger your workforce so that if you do have an infection, somebody infected in your operation center, don't contaminate the whole team, and you can also continue to operate. So we were requested to basically stand up a new redundant operation center, close physical proximity to existing operation centers. So they had that backup. So if somebody was infected in one, the other operation center could immediately uh, pick up where the other one had to be shut down while we again go in and clean up for the CDC guidance and get it back up and operating again. And we've even had some requests from other agencies, other landholding agencies that have facilities, they're operating, and they may have limited staff And if they became infected, then they wouldn't be able to operate the facility. So we did have an instance with an organization within HHS had a a large campus-like facility, and they had some concerns about their ability to keep that whole facility running, uh, given their limited facility management team. So we were able to hook them up with some contracts that we have for operating similar facilities for a backup.
0: A lot of lessons learned and some success stories in all of this. We have discussed this, I think, fairly in depth, but I just want to see if you have any other thoughts to revisit here with specifically PBS and the deep cleaning that you mentioned and the the substantial amount of money in the CARES Act to do that. You had mentioned that this is in line with CDC guidance. Just help me better visualize what this deep cleaning looks like for federal buildings.
1: So it's based on exposure. There's actually a matrix that CDC has developed as to the type of exposure that is poses a risk to people. So there's that to decide what to claim. Uh, You don't necessarily need to go and clean the entire building because somebody entered into the lobby area, for example, and then left, and if they were infected. So they have basically a matrix to help understand risk thresholds and when we may want to clean. Then we also have what are known as pandemic clauses in all of our cleaning contracts. So our contractors that provide the cleaning, they have some additional training that they have to do to ensure that their workforce that's doing the work understands sort of the protocols as to how to keep themselves safe. Again, what type of, of materials they need to use for cleaning the disinfectant materials. They have to meet certain standards in order to kill, kill certain number of viruses. And then also how they need to do it. What kind of surfaces they need to clean, what surfaces might not need to be cleaned, things like that.
0: Got it. And changing gears here a little bit, we have seen guidance come out of OMB and OPM on this issue, but we have seen, like, again, revisiting the example of the IRS, agencies look at or consider bringing back more federal employees to do more essential work in person in the office. Do you foresee PBS or some other agency recommending any kind of enhanced screening, maybe more appropriately for PBS. What does that communication look like again between PBS and tenant agencies when it comes to this?
1: Some agencies are considering that. Some facilities actually have that in place now. And so what GSA has done is we've worked with the CDC and also I believe it was with the Office of Personnel Management to develop a contract vehicle that we would have in place for agencies if they believed some form of enhanced screening is necessary for their facility, either for their employees, contractors in, entering the building or the public or, or all of the above. We would have a contract vehicle available for them to procure those services. And so we have developed that contract vehicle. it's in place and we're putting the sort of the finishing touches on the guidance for agencies in coordination with CDC as to how agencies would access those contract vehicles and what type of screening services would be appropriate. And then on a case-by-case basis, she saying would need to work with the building tenants to actually figure out, given the layout of the facility, where could that take place? Can it take place in the lobby? Can it take place outside the front door? A lot of that's going to be site-specific.
0: One of the themes that I've noticed in all of this, and speaking to a lot of federal employees and all of this is just how technology has been a game changer in continuity of operations. Particularly telework has been very much in vogue these days. GSA has been a leader in telework, but help me better understand how telework has been helpful for this continuity operations at GSA. And is there any work at PBS that is inherently necessary to have in person?
1: So the short answer is the investments that GSA made in telework capability in the past is really paying off right now. And those investments are twofold, really. It's equipment, but it's also our business processes. So think mobile devices, an IT backbone, virtual private networks, two-factor authentication systems, virtual desktops, that, that create a technical capability to connect. But also the fact that we've digitized our work processes. We have cut a tie to paper several years ago. And that really has made it possible for GSA to largely meet its mission without being physically in our buildings. That being said, we are a real estate organization, and we have thousands of locations across the country, and we have a physical presence in buildings. But that is not the majority of our population. It's a smaller percentage of our total workforce. And in those instances where they have to be on site, then we have a, very, a variety of mitigation measures that we take. Number one, we don't put everybody on site at the same time in the same place. Again, we don't want to have one infected individual worker contaminating or exposing the entire building management team, for example, in a facility, and then we wouldn't have anybody to operate the location. So we physically separate them into teams. They're not on site at the same time. They socially distance while they are on site per the CDC guidelines, and if it's not possible to keep at social distancing, then they need to have masks. And for the most part though, the social distancing requirements, those really are possible. And we've done a lot of virtual building tours. And so we've been really quite innovative and adaptive in terms of using technology, where in the past, we may have brought 10 people onto a site. Now we might bring one GSA employee on site, uh, a building inspector and a, a constructor representative And they can socially distance and they'll use technology to basically have a visual walkthrough so that the rest of the inspection team can do their work off site remotely and basically direct the camera to go see what they need to see. So we've been doing a variety of things to, again, minimize the exposure and mitigate the risk to our employees if they have to be on site. But really, the investment GSA made in the past on intel work capability is really paying off now.
0: You know, one other thing I want to hit on here. I understand that with more federal employees coming back into the office, it's not going to be like flipping a switch. It's not going to be where we are now to 100% capacity for these buildings. But what kind of guidance or recommendations will the Public Building Service have for employees returning to the office, but still want to socially distance? And I say that especially in the context now of a lot of federal buildings now having open office plans or shared workstations.
1: Yeah three phases to the return to normal. And the first two phases in that White House guidance that apply to federal agencies, so the first two phases, they talk about telework. And if it's possible to perform the mission while teleworking, agencies should strongly consider continuing to telework. So that's for the first two phases. And that creates the ability, if you are teleworking to a large degree, that really creates the opportunity to have a reduced density Of people in the facilities, and that allows for social distancing and the other types of mitigation measures. The CDC has recommended for people, probably the most significant being if you're a vulnerable population, you shouldn't be coming in. So you really don't social distance your vulnerable populations to safety by requiring them to come into the the workplace. The guidance is pretty clear about that. If you're a vulnerable population, agencies should ensure that they are not put at risk, but by Continuing to use telework, certainly in those first two phases, that really creates the opportunity to reduce the density and socially distance within a facility. So at GSA, we're looking at a variety of things as to how we would bring people back into the workplace. And again, we're very telework capable. And under those first two phases, it does discuss uh, it does, the guidance is about you know, continuing to utilize telework. So that would create an opportunity for us for example, to, to bring in a portion of our workforce. And so if you one of the things that we're considering is if you divide your workforce up into, uh, just say for example, four teams, you can stagger them throughout the facility so that team two is not sitting in the same space as that team one was in. And if somebody is infected in say team one and you have to quarantine team one, well, by the time that week is over, when they would rotate back into the facility, that quarantine period would have passed and they would have never sort of cross-contaminated any of the other teams. And the subsequent teams wouldn't sit in the same spaces that team one sat in, because you're only bringing in a quarter, or if you're doing three teams, for example, a third of your workforce at a time. So you have the ability to physically not overlap. So we will continue to deal with cleaning, of course, every day and between the teams and everything as well, but per CDC guidance, but you'd have a sort of an added layer of protection, so to speak, by just physically precluding people sitting in the same seat.
0: Are there any other success stories that you can think of from the pBS perspective just in in dealing with a lot of the challenges that have arisen from the the pandemic?
1: Sure, a couple we talked about already. first, just to tell our capability, that investment in the business processes going from paper to a digital work process and the investment in the IT has really made a world of difference for GSA. Agencies that have made similar investments are in a much stronger position to perform their mission under the current situation. We have roughly $7 billion worth of construction projects underway in a given year. And while we are experiencing slowdowns in some instances, and even a handful of of work stoppages, for the most part, Uh, Our projects are continuing, and even in some cases, given the fact that our buildings might not be occupied, we're actually able to accelerate in some instances. We've been able to do that while keeping our, our workers safe, and our partners, our construction companies, they also have instituted a variety of measures to ensure social distancing on their work sites, protective equipment for their employees. And again, our employees have been very innovative and adaptive in using IT. During this crisis, we switched to electronic document signing. We now have an electronic lease platform and we literally accepted facilities completely virtually at this point. And we're also onboarding new employees on a regular basis in a completely virtual fashion when they're not coming into the office. I think they may have to come to get a credential, but uh, other than that, the equipment gets mailed out to them. Everything is uh, done online. And so we're able to keep our workforce steady and moving forward, notwithstanding the situation we're in. And that's been good for the economy. I think the last thing we would want to do is stop $7 billion worth of construction in this environment. That would not be a good place for our tenants, for the taxpayer, or for the economy.
0: Dan Matthews, Commissioner of the Public Building Service, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zell.